Apollo's Arrow by Nicholas Christakis. Finally, the only book your grandkids will need to read about the coronavirus pandemic. What is forever is, finally, not necessarily for us. This is an episode of Finally, the podcast from Michael Furtick. I read Apollo's Arrow, The Profound and Enduring Impact of Coronavirus on the Way We Live, because I thought I had to. Nicholas A. Christakis is a sterling professor at Yale, a doctor, a sociologist, and easily one of the most important public intellectuals in the English-speaking world. It seems he set out to write the definitive account of the COVID-19 pandemic. He succeeded. When I started reading Apollo's Arrow, and until about a third or halfway through, I thought it was probably the only book you'd need to read about the coronavirus pandemic. But then I realized that it will be the only book your grandkids will need to read about the coronavirus pandemic. More on that later. This book is a primer on COVID-19, and it is so comprehensive, based on what is known and knowable to date, that an alien coming to Earth without prior knowledge would need to consult no other source. The book does not answer what it cannot. For example, we do not yet know the actual origins of the disease, if we ever will, though the theory hotly debated that it emerged from a Chinese lab is gaining more credible traction, at least for now. That picture may be filled in later. The book explains what the coronavirus is, how it spread, what its recent precedents are, the definition of R0 and RE, how vaccines work, the relevant history and approximate utility of masks, quarantines, border closures, and test and trace, differences in infection rates and outcomes by race or ethnicity, prisoner status, and other demographic variables, etc. All of this is laid out in one place. Christakis pulls this off in what must be record time, and probably few living or dead could have done similar. His mind clearly has equal facility with micro-narrative and macro-trend, and he is able to scope, rally, assemble, assimilate, and integrate oceans of quantitative and qualitative data into a readable and coherent book. Apollo's Arrow also contains some marvelous anecdotes and other tidbits. He tells the story of John Lun Liu, to whom the World Health Organization later tra traced nearly half of the worldwide cases of the 2002 SARS-1 epidemic. Liu sta stayed in a hotel for about 24 hours, and 50% of hell broke loose. He relates how, that is, Christakis relates how, seismologists noticed during the current pandemic that humans stopped moving around when they went into lockdown. And probably more usefully, he relates some inside baseball about how, quote, public health, unquote, is made. Christakis observes that epidemiologists model viral spread based on parents staying home because the schools have closed. Isn't that interesting? He also makes great observations of mass psychology that are insightful, if not overly brave. Quote, One of the fundamental but devilish details about epidemic disease is the concept of exponential growth. While this makes flattening the curve all the more important, it makes galvanizing public will all the harder. But as I read the book, I kept concluding that, gee, he doesn't say much, does he? Let me put that differently. I kept wishing that he would say more. Perhaps that is unfair to Christakis's mission. Maybe his goal was to write a monograph or real-time primary history of one of the world's most important events. If so, he crushed that goal, and I predict no written work on the subject will dominate his for at least 100 years. But I wish the book were more subjective, or at least more prescriptive. What should we do in a pandemic? What should have been done? What is to be done? 
Let's walk that back just a little. Christakis speaks without ambiguity about America's public health failures. He believes, for example, that the United States ought to have tested, quote, asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic, unquote, people, at least earlier in the pandemic. He may not have had the same view after the spread of the Omicron variant in the same way that South Korea did. He thinks the CDC and FDA really blew it. He says our bureaucrats' work on testing should earn them a comparison to the Keystone Cops. He says they were not ready for a pandemic of any scale. They didn't address testing needs, and they were more or less asleep at the wheel throughout 2020 and beyond. He criticizes the early messaging on masks and says the CDC and Surgeon General lost credibility over their shifts on masking for most Americans. He naturally agrees that scientists should change their mind as new data appear, but he thinks that the public health apparatus of the United States did not speak honestly or openly as it gathered new insight. Christakis was an early nonpartisan person to this party and deserves credit for seeing before nearly any other neutral arbiter what the American health bureaucracy should have been doing differently. Also, Christakis has little time for former President Trump. One of the strongest statements in the book is that, quote, truth is another casualty of plague some of the most damaging and self-injurious responses to an epidemic are denial and lies, unquote. This is not entirely about the Trump administration, but it sets the table for his skewering of the White House's response to the pandemic. He squarely blames the Trump administration for deliberately meeting, misleading the public for short-term political gain. He notes that on February 25, 2020, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar absurdly claimed, in his words, the virus was contained in the United States. It is even more hateful to recall that overt lie in 2022 than it was a couple of years earlier. We should allow that at one point in the book, Christakis does offer a strong opinion on how public health assessments ought to be tabulated. Particularly, he expresses distaste for the instinct in some quarters to, quote, control for variables, unquote, when assessing health outcomes by demographic group. He writes very clearly, quote, Dismissing racial differences in health outcomes on the grounds of their being mediated by other factors is a bit like saying that after adjusting for the quality of ingredients, the ambiance, the sophistication of the menu, and the existence of a good wine list, there is no difference between a meal at McDonald's and a meal at the fanciest restaurant in New York City. You gotta love a genius who can write like that for the public as well. But we are reaching here for relatively small examples in a fairly expansive and broad book. Christakis manages in the role of public health expert, professor, and genius to get through an entire book on the coronavirus pandemic without offering nearly any interesting set of policy recommendations. The main proposal he has is to test a lot, which is certainly understandable. His discussion of school closures is disappointing. He notes that, quote, closing schools can have a powerful effect, unquote, in slowing the spread of disease, but he stops well short of suggesting that school closures be undertaken, given how difficult it can be for families, parents, and the economy. He also does not say they should remain open. He never says anything clear on what he thinks should be done, or even really on what circumstances schools should be closed, or even what types of analysis ought to be made to reach such conclusions. Well, that's not helpful. A reader might be forgiven for asking why Christakis avoids the fray in this way. Again, it may not have been his mission. 
Similarly, Christakis raises the topic of healthcare rationing, but leaves the inquiry unpursued. He mulls how it might be possible to make any rationing policies stick in real-world practice, but he declines to offer guideposts as how to pull it off. He does appear to support universal, or at least more universal, healthcare and sick leave, but that's not all that unusual or novel of you. It's not that different from saying he supports a lot more testing. Christakis does indicate that he is at least sympathetic to a well-run and free immunity passport program, and that courts a certain level of policy controversy. But he also assumes expressly that such a passport program will be short-lived, and he leaves the topic breezily after a couple of pages. Somehow, you have to like Christakis, even if you know nothing of him in social discourse. He is immensely likable as a public intellectual. His book is optimistic throughout. He believes in progress and the human spirit and in the altruism evident in human nature. And we should highlight that he has the courage to make some predictions. He forecasts that Americans will live in a, quote, acutely changed world until 2022, the immediate pandemic period. We will then, societally, be recovering from the shocks through 2024 in the intermediate pandemic period. Then there will be graduate, gradual return to normal, albeit in a world with some persistent changes starting around 2024, the post-pandemic period. I like it when public figures make predictions like this. It allows us to keep score, and it indicates courage. But he refuses to say much beyond the facts, ma'am. In Apollo's Arrow, there is just too much of this. Quote, what is needed in order to confront a pandemic is solidarity and a collective will for disease control, unquote. Yes, yes, we say to ourselves, but what else, more specifically? And the worst part is, we know he can teach us much more than the facts. He drops hints. For example, he warns us against hasty, hasty conclusions about regional variations in pandemic outcomes, though he praises some, like the South Koreans. He says, most of the variation will just be due to chance. Given all the screed and panicked coruscation that has characterized the public discourses on the pandemic since its beginning, I found myself wishing that Christakis would say a hell of a lot more about even this question of predicted national and regional outcomes, a topic that is safely within his remit of public health guru. But there is no really sharp-ended point to Apollo's arrow. I surmised, finally, that the book was written for ever, not for us. The book is so incredibly reasonable, so incredibly right about everything, that it makes you wonder for whom it was written. If you are the kind of person who is reading the book, you are almost certainly the kind of person who's been paying attention pretty well all along. So the book is, in that sense, while fluidly written and an exceptional accumulation and condensation of all that has been written in real time over the past couple of years, obvious. But then I realized, the book is not written for me. It was written for my kids and theirs. We hope that the author, author will be refreshing his work in the coming years, and it is clear that it will be among the very first bench of books that will be studied, finally, for as long as this pandemic stimulates human interest. This has been an episode of Finally. Thank you for listening.